0: Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right, how's everyone doing? Woo, did you just woot? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, thank you for doing communion. That was that was uh, moving. I, I love that. The whole idea of prophets and slaves and royalty, we're all connected. That's, yeah, I love that. So, uh, today we're talking about a big important ship. I got this story from uh, Good and Beautiful God. Has anyone ever read the book Good and Beautiful God? Yeah, it's a, it was a very foundational book for me, um, about 10 years ago, and it helped, like, uh, helped me reimagine what uh, not just God, but like, spirituality can look like. It's a great book. From what I remember, it's a great book. I wonder if I went back and reread it. I'd be like, hmm. But anyways, uh, we'll stay with the goodness. And um, he tells a story uh, about this big, important ship and this big, important captain. And he's out, and he's looking off in the distance. He sees another, he sees another ship because there's this light. And so he gets on whatever captains use and he goes breaker, breaker, 49, uh, big important captain here and I'm in a big important ship and you're uh, in our trajectory so I'm going to say that you should move because, you know, we're a big important ship and we don't move uh, out or whatever they end, right? And uh, then he waits 15 minutes and gets back on and says, well, hey, just reminder, we're a big important ship and a big important captain here and I'm asking you to move, divert uh, because we're, you're in our trajectory waits 15 minutes, does the same thing. After the third time, he gets uh, a message right back and says, hey, we're happy for you, big important captain on the big important ship. Um, We suggest you move because we're Lighthouse, (laughs) right? And there's a a way of showing up in the world of where you're the big important ship, right? You walk into a room and you have all the answers and everyone should move for you and you have the better stories and you have the best theology and the best values and the best way of parenting and the best way of love and the way you operate is people need to like dodge out of your way because I have all the answers. I'm a big important ship. And uh, we're in this situation, right, in our lives of, or maybe, maybe it's just me, of where there's some particular things that keep me up at night. Um... Two weeks ago, uh, Nikki uh, read a poem from Pixie Lighthorse in our response to um, the Supreme Court talking about women having autonomy over their body, you know, and and they said that they don't. And there's a lot of people that feel a lot of feelings about that, and Nikki read the poem about rage, and maybe that's keeping you up at night. Maybe it's inflation and trying to feed, like we have, uh, last night we had, I don't know, 13 Teenagers, they made one giant cookie, and they all stood around it, and were picking at it, right? And so, like, we have to buy a a lot of food, right? So maybe that keeps you up at night. Maybe it's climate change. Maybe it's finances. Whatever it might be, there's a lot of things that keep us up at night. Um, And you could be big, important ship and say, oh, yes, I know what to do. I have all the answers, and let's go change the world. Or maybe you have this temptation of, like, let's just hide, <laughs> right? Let's just move into the basement. Let's not pay attention to what's happening in the world. Let's just use our privilege of just saying, if I do nothing, I still benefit. I had, there was a, a, a pastor that lives in California that I know, and he's put on his uh, social media saying, hey, just so you know, I'm never, you're never going to see me post about um, politics, sexuality, gender, or racism, because I don't want to disrupt anyone, which I'm like, yeah, because you still benefit when you're quiet. A middle-aged white man can just roll on through and say nothing and still get all the benefits while people of color and women and gender nonconforming people have to pay those prices. So how are we supposed to engage, right? How are we supposed to engage? I would say there's wisdom, and this is why I want to talk about it. How do we actually move forward and not let the rage just identify us, our mental illness identify us, our orientation just identify us? How do we continue to be our fullest self? Because it's hard right now. At least it is for me. There's a lot of fear about going into like, um, we went to the parade in Shitek, and I had to be aware of if there's anyone going to be bringing a gun, right? These are just now normal things where a couple years ago I didn't feel that. I feel this anxiety. So how can I continue to grow being my fullest self, experiencing this going to be awful God, and do it on purpose, right? I would say that there's wisdom. And in the wisdom literature in the Bible, there's, um, I think there's five books, like Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and Proverbs. It talks a lot about wisdom. And wisdom is a lot more than just being smart right? There's a lot of smart people. There's a lot of people with a high IQ that do really dumb things, right? Like really, really, really dumb things. Wisdom is not about having a degree. That that could help. Wisdom is not about having receipts. It's a way of showing up in the world. Wisdom is the opposite of big, important guy. In Proverbs, they they talk about um, this is what wisdom looks like, and this is what foolishness looks like. And it's not as binary is that but in this ancient sacred um, literature they're comparing saying um, what is it you really want do you want to move in a life of wisdom or do you want to be a fool and how do you know you look at the fruit you look at what comes out of those decisions what comes out of your life and um, in this ancient wisdom this 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 wisdom is radically radically available if you're willing to pay attention instead of big important ships says, I have all the answers wisdom says let's slow down and let's evaluate and process how all these things might be connected. That maybe the your truth, right, and what you hold as a value, I don't have to say you're bad, you're evil because mine is different. Maybe we could say, oh, wisdom might say there might be multiple truths all at once. We might be coming at different places. Wisdom allows you to slow down and process instead of saying Bible says it, I believe it. Right? Or instead of saying, I've, parented, I've raised two kids, I know the, the best way to parent, or I know the, the best nutritional way to move forward in this life. It's like, yeah, for you it might have worked, but it, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And in Proverbs um, chapter 8, the author is trying to convey what and where wisdom is. So the, in the middle of, well, in the first quarter of Proverbs, uh, this is what they write. This is Proverbs eight twenty three. The Lord brought me, that's wisdom, forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there was no watery depths, I was given birth. When there was no springs overflowing with water. The way that these ancient people would understand what the world is, they believed the world was like a flat and it was like a, like a, a square, right? It's where they talk about like the pillars of the earth. And before the waters, which means before life came, this author is saying, Wisdom was already here. Wisdom has been existing since the beginning of time, which means wisdom is baked into all creation. Wisdom is in the sun. Wisdom is in the trees. Wisdom is in uh, pretending to laugh at reading the comics that aren't that funny, right? Wisdom is in Chance the Rapper, right? Wisdom is in your body. Wisdom is in August, right? Wisdom is in the ground. You walk in everywhere you go, wisdom is baked and is a part of it, which means School is always in session. If we're willing to slow down, if we're willing to take notice, if we're willing to be aware of our body, wisdom is inviting us to participate. Wisdom is inviting us to continue to grow and to evolve. And then, in the beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, it describes that wisdom is feminine. Wisdom is a woman which makes the most sense because women are way smarter and much wiser than men. How can I tell? Um, I once tried jumping over a car while it was driving, right? Nikki has never done that, right? Because she'd like, I choose life. <laughs> I choose kneecaps, right? M- men like to take things and, and say, so I can pick that up, right? And like, I'll show you how much I love you by picking up. Look at me, right? And I, or what? Ripping a tree out of the ground, yes, yes, that is, yeah, oh man, all right, so uh, moving on, um, wi- wisdom is feminine, and this is what it this is what it says in proverbs one uh, verse twenty it says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud, she raises her voice in the public square, on top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate, she makes her speech what what the author' is conveying is that on the city wall where people are coming in and out to do commerce, to see family, to, uh, to worship this God, to uh, do business, to make amends, there is this voice, there is this wisdom, and she is making radically available to everyone. And it's packed with joy. It's packed with beauty. It's packed with freedom and liberation. And she's saying, anyone who wants it, come and find it. It's right here. Do you want it? What kind of life do you really want? It is this um, offensively available. Because if wisdom is baked everywhere we go, then we have access to it all the time. It's not a destination, right? It's not we have to go to some place. She's saying, it's here. But then, right after this, four verses later, this is what she writes, and I love it. Uh, She says... Um, Since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock you when calamity overtakes you. (laughs) She's she's, she's not messing around, right? What, What she is saying, she's giving this, and this is part of the wisdom literature, they have like light and dark, good and bad, wise, fool. And they're saying that this wisdom can help you grow and actually move towards what you really, really want. At the same time, you can be big important captain. And say, yeah, I, I have the answer. Oh, I'm happy for you. Thank you, Lady Wisdom. I think I know what to do with this moving vehicle, right? And she's saying, great, go for it. If that's how you want to live your life, you know, I, I'm, I'm, go for it. But it's never going to get you what you really want. And this is what I love about the Bible. And I try saying this a lot because maybe there's some people here, the Bible and you are not vibing as much anymore. I, I love and find deep inspiration because they leave the messy stuff in, right? Like the Hebrew Bible, it, the Old Testament is not a Christian Bible, right? Just write that one down, all right? It informs the, the person of Jesus, right? And it's, there's a lot of meaning. It is, it is the Hebrew Bible. And they leave the messy stuff in because they're saying, hey, maybe you can learn from us. Hey, maybe we don't always get it right. How do we know? They leave a story in there about a God who kills the entire human race except one family. right They leave a story of genocide, sexual assault um, uh, incest like, there's some there's some horribly horribly things uh, in the Bible, and they leave it in there because it 's not meant to be um, do you remember the song uh, Basic Instructions before leaving Earth right the acronym for Bible like that 's not at all what the Bible is. The Bible is not like a car manual. It is this nuanced, beautiful, messy book to inform us, to help us have wisdom. How do we continue to evolve and to grow? And so she's saying, what is it that you want? Do you want to move this way with wisdom? Or do you want to like, you know, just continue to be an egocentric, big, important person? And when you do that, she's going to call that foolish. So I'm going to give you three ways of thinking about three ways to think about wisdom. The first one is this, is have as much of it as you want. As I mentioned earlier, wisdom is not in the receipts. We love receipts. As in, if wisdom is a destination, we love being able to have a degree, we love being able to have a blog, a platform, right? We love being able to um, be an expert. We love having like the, the credentials at work to be able to teach that class, to be able to perform that service. Uh, because then we can say, I can prove to people, I'm smart, I'm wise, I'm good. How do you know that? Here's my degree, right? Here's my kids, here's my, me personally, my sculpted perfect body, all right? I'm a specimen, that's how I tell people, all right? It, because then it makes us feel like we're good and we can rest and we can hang up our hat and say, I did it, I'm a really great, big, important person. And all that is incredibly, can be wisdom in all those things. But when you treat wisdom as a destination, then you can stop. And what wisdom invites us to do is to get up and keep going. Even when it's hard, even when we're anxious, even if we have a diagnosis, even if we're exhausted, even if we're excited, even if we're uncertain, wisdom says, yeah, we can do it. We can keep moving on. Because the wisest people that I know Range from <laughs> they range everywhere from people who are very intellectual to people who don't have the same um, degrees. Socioeconomically, it's all over the board. But the people who find wisdom can show me the scars before they show the degree. Of this is what happens when you show up in love. These are people who have to retread their sandals over and over again because wisdom says I show up even when I don't want to wisdom can tell a story more than it can prove itself. Wisdom can can continually show up in a place of love and radical inclusion. But here's the thing, that's exhausting. And it is hard. Like like I said earlier, there's times where I do feel tempted just to shut down and disengage because I don't want to process it anymore. But what wisdom invites us to do is to be curious. And there's... There's this way of thinking about wisdom we think when we equate it to destination or we think to IQ or smartness. A lot of people say, well, like, especially when I, if we're at a place, I'm like, hey, do you want to, like, Sarah, do you want to pray? And some people say, whoa, 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 hold on. You're the professional prayer. I'm not. I'm not the professional prayer. And there's this idea of saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I have not done enough, so I can't do it. What wisdom says is, hey, why not? Right? And it might be, I'm anxious, I don't want to do it. Or it might be, oh, I don't have to have this or be this. Wisdom just says, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. So get as much of it as you want. Second one is, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. If you've ever met an I know person, um, they're probably 15 years old, right? <laughs> right? If you've ever talked to a teenager and I'll say... Um, what, they were making cookies last night, and I'm like, well, you might want to do this, and they're like, oh, Mr. Sauter, I know, I know, I know, and my response, when people say, I know, I say, that's hey, great, what else do you know, right, <laughs> you, you're so smart, I would love for you to share all this wisdom of the 11 years you've been alive, right, <laughs> um, I actually, there is a, a pastor, um, who recently passed away, and I met with him several times, um, when we first came to Cloquet, and I'd ask him these questions. He was oh, Chris, you should have asked me uh, 40 years ago because I had all the answers then, right? And it was, it was, he was a, we were very different when it came to our expression of um, our theology. But he was wise because he was humble, because he didn't shame me, because he listened to me, and he was curious. Even though we were like on opposite ends, he would still want to learn because that's where that's where wisdom can uh, like flourish, is when you don't know. And we have a fear of not knowing. We do want to have, like, a right answer, an argument, or, like, the perfect way to come at that person. The truth is love and beauty and heaven itself exist in the space in between people. When I can look at someone not as an argument. Like, have you, do you ever talk to people who think differently than you? Or maybe they, they agree with you, but they only listen just to talk back to you? and they're not listening, right? It's, it's incredibly frustrating because you, th- they're kind of dehumanizing you. They're using you just as a, a way for them to talk themselves. Uh, there's this w- one person, my friend's brother-in-law, he calls him, a, Seinfeld calls it a one-upper. You tell a story and they have to tell a better story, and you're like, okay, and then they have to tell a better story after that, right? It's this idea of like, oh, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. And when you catch yourselves in the I know moments, Wisdom would say, let's process. Embarrassing story about myself about to come. Um, this past week, one of our kids um, had a, uh, an emotional response um, that is not part of our um, system of values in our, in our home. And so we um, sat on the deck, Nikki and I, and talked with um, uh, this person. And we had this long conversation about how we respond when we have these kind of emotions. And we try to end it by saying, um, do you have any other questions? And this person said no and got up frustrated because they got a consequence and walked inside. And then Nikki and I looked at each other, rolled our eyes like, oh, parenting's so exhausting, but we're so amazing parents, aren't we? And um, and then uh, that person opened up the sliding glass door because we were outside and said, hey, Dad, um, I do have one more question. How come when I have this emotional response, right? I respond emotionally to this way, um, I get a consequence. But when you respond to my emotional response in the same exact way, how come you don't get a consequence, right? And in that moment, I wanted to, I know, I know, I know that I am the parent, and you are the child. And I'm big important guy and I have the answers and you don't talk to me that way. Right? I wanted to like all of a sudden be like Majesty Sodder and um, I'm going to use that word. Majesty. I mean, there's a man, um, Majesty Sodder. Um, and I, and that, I did feel that rise up. And if you've ever had that feeling of where you want to use your power over people, that's really what it is. And that power would protect me from being embarrassed, protect me from feeling vulnerable, protect me from looking small to my kid. And I, in that moment, said, yep, you're right. That was a hypocrite of me, and it was a very immature response, and you deserve better. I'm really, really sorry. And it was that aha moment of, like, what wisdom can do is it can show up and say, Chris, what is it that you really want? You want to be big, important? You want to be majesty solder? Or do you want to have this model what you're trying to do for your kid? So have as much of it as you want. Avoid the, I know, I know, I know. Um, and lastly is this. The fear of the Lord. The beginning of Proverbs and the end of Proverbs. It says, the beginning of all wisdom. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And it has this bookend about fearing God. And I, I don't know about anyone who's watching or listening online. Um, uh, when I hear fear, the fear of God, fear the Lord, um, and I wanna be on the record, this is not my debt. So when I'm saying, this kind of dad, my dad was never this way. I have to say it because my dad's sitting right here. So. <laughs> and he's like, wait a second. I had this picture of God when um, uh, the people talk about the fear of the Lord. Would be like um, a dad coming home just like rip-roaring drunk. And um, the kids would be in the basement. And they'd hear dad come in and they'd have to go hide. And they would have to all." talk to each other and say remember he found us in this hiding spot we have to go to this hiding spot and they sit there and they just hope they hope they hope that this god this angry father wouldn't find them because then he would he would do violence to them and then that's how i viewed god of like i have to be afraid of god why because i was handed down a theology of a conscious tormenting eternal hell and when you're like 11 or you're 15 or you're 41 and you believe because of something you didn't say or something you might have done or something you may, may thought of could lead you to that, you are going to live in a place of fear. And if, if not, then, then maybe you really don't believe in hell. But if you really do, then that's a, a possibility. You're going to respond in a place of like, don't screw up. And then we say, thank you. Like, thank God Jesus came. So God had to kill Jesus instead of me because God hated me. God wanted to send me hell for my sins. Thank God Jesus stepped in line, right? It is probably top three, the most evil, toxic theological statements or beliefs that has just ruined generations and generations of people that have led people out the door of God or a church of the Bible. Because when you start there, then you're saying, you're a horrible person. Instead, if you take the story of the creation that I believe is a story, God looking at people and says, you're good. We start at a place of goodness. This is Judaism, (laughs) right? This is what, again, Hebrew Bible, Jewish Bible, this is what they believe, that you inherently are good. So often we start in chapter 3 that you are some wretched, horrible person. People say I'm sinners saved by grace. I was already saying, identify as a sinner. No, you identify as fearfully and wonderfully made. You identify of of that this goodness, this God is in you, and you are in God. When you start at that place, then the fear of the Lord changes. So what fear of the Lord means is when you have this idea of showing up a place and you're like, oh, I think this is what the experience is gonna be. I think this is what I'm going to feel. This is what I'm gonna hear, this is what I'm gonna eat. And you show up and it blows you out of the waters. of Whatever you thought reality was, you set it aside and you engage with this new idea of reality. Like maybe the first time that you saw a mountain, maybe the first time you went to Grand Canyon. For me, it on our honeymoon, we um, went to Maine and Nikki's like, hey, we should go see whales. I'm like, God, oh, it's a great idea. What a wonderful idea. And in my head, if you're going to see whales, it's going to cost you like $7 to get on this boat, right? And they're like, by the way, it's going to cost you, I it was like 100 bucks a person. It was not $20. No, we are not having this argument. Actually, let's do it, right? Big important guy right now. I know. I have all the answers. Um, wisdom says to show you love, honey. You're welcome. Um, whales. I uh, was I got lost. Uh, and so I said, it was actually, I think it was $4,000 a person. And I, I said, for that amount of money, the whale better pop out the water and say, hello, Chris Sauter, right? And so I um, really unwillingly got on this boat and I kind of had a bad, attitude. imagine that if I didn't get my way, I had a bad attitude, mm, I'm a sad guy. And um, I still remember when they're like, oh, the whale's coming up on your left-hand side. And so we look and it, it, was, it was amazing. Because I had an idea of what I thought the whale would be by seeing on TV and movies, and seeing a person, it it was it was majestic. I had that is what the fear of the Lord is. It'd be like um, Como Zoo. We went with our kids, and you know, you go to zoos and animals just lick themselves, and that's about what they do, or they sleep. That's those are two options, right? Lick yourself or sleep. And um, we went and saw the lion, and um, the lion got up and it roared. I've never heard a lion roar in per, live in per, IRL, in real life. Um, I've only seen it like on MGM studios beforehand and movies and on TV shows, right? And so, but I had this idea, oh, if I heard a lion, it's gonna be like this. And if you ever heard a lion roar? It, it, it is this primal reminder of who's really in charge. And my body obeyed. I st- it did, I stopped and I'm like, uh-oh, right? It's like, I'm in trouble, I'm dead. And that's what the fear fear does to you. So the fear of the Lord is you have this idea, you have this ratio, you have this size of the scale. I think this is what God's going to be like. And when you experience the kingdom of God, when you experience the divine, it stops you. Because I thought this is what reality is. And we're like, oh, we don't need this anymore. You put it down. And what wisdom says is, what else don't I know? The fear of the Lord puts you in this place of there is this uh, ever-expansive, infinite-growing divine. And wisdom says, let's go find out. Wisdom says, let's be inquisitive. Wisdom says, let's have curiosity. Wisdom says, how are all these things connected? And here's the beautiful part. When you move towards the fullness in discovering who God is, you can't help, when you have wisdom, also find out the fullness of who you are. Because it is experience God is to experience yourself. The more that you move and engage who God is, the more you find about the fullness of who, who you are, and you are worth that journey. You are worth discovering not just who God is, who you are. And that's going to continue to evolve and grow and transcend. Richard um, has this line, this mantra. He says, transcend and include. The more you experience who God is, the more you can't help but include other people, other ideas, other ways of seeing, other ways of loving. So have as, as much as you want. Avoid the I know, I know, I know. And the fear of the Lord is not something you have to be afraid of, but this opportunity to grow and neighborhood. If we're willing to do this, oh, you scared me. <laughs> if you're willing, if you're willing to, to embody this, to be this, the result of it, this wisdom, the result is always heaven. The result is always the kingdom of God. The result is always love. So whatever is keeping up at night, my prayer for you, and even as we sing and as we reflect, is how can you take that thing that's keeping up at night and how can you see it for what it is and use wisdom to engage and move and process?
1: Thank you. Spirit, come and Holy Spirit, dwell here and fill this church with love overflow. church with peace overflowing and hope overflowing in love and love overflowing in Church with peace Overflow God, so as we leave this place today, would you fill us with your wisdom? And we see that in your love and in your hope and in your joy and in your glory. Um, And would we encourage it in each other? Um, And would we build it up in each other and give us courage today? In your name, amen. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Um, And we'll see you next week.